everyone, and welcome back to HOA. It's a true story. We have another great show today. We're very excited to be meeting with Anna Marie Muriello from Bella Vista Landscaping. And we're actually going to be talking about some new things that have come up in landscaping. If the people up on Capitol Hill haven't been busy enough, they certainly continue to make new rules and regulations for everybody to get involved with and get following. So we're so pleased to have you join us today and welcome to HOA. It's a true story. Thank you. Of course, also joining us is Bill Mann, president of GB Group. Thank you, Reagan. So Anna Marie, could you tell us a little about yourself and how you got into the world of HOA? It's always fascinating to hear how people got into this. Yeah. So what really brought me ultimately to the HOA world was my love for plants, particularly California native plants. And that initially guided me to start working at a nursery where I was living in Los Angeles at the time. And then from there, I started an operations position at a California native landscape design and maintenance company called Saturate California, which is based in Los Angeles. And then COVID hit. And for many of us that changed a lot of things. <laughs> I was no different. I wanted to be closer to my family, many of whom had moved to Sacramento. So I moved to Sacramento and I gratefully and luckily found a position at my current company, Bella Vista Landscape Services. And our branch in Sacramento really specializes in partnering with HOAs to maintain their landscapes, building long-term relationships, and really just trying to make sure that their landscaping goals are implemented that's where I am today. I find great joy in creating long-term relationships with HOA boards and communities and really discovering and implementing their landscape goals together. We understand there's a new or a proposed type of new bill that would require large landscape projects to use native shrubs and to go back to native California landscape, right? Yes. So there is a new bill, AB 1573. It has passed the General Assembly. So we are now waiting for the Senate to vote on it and possibly be signed into law at the end of session. It is a pretty remarkable bill, which would require provisions to an already existent ordinance, which is the Model Water Efficient Landscape Ordinance. There's many provisions, but there's kind of three main ones to this ordinance. The first one would require all non-residential projects. So that means new and renovated commercial and industrial areas to use low water plants. Now of those low water plants, 25% would have to be California native plants. Hmm. And that 25% provision would be put in place by January 1st, 2026. After that, 2030, 50% of those low water plants would have to be California native. And then come 2035, it would be 75% would have to be California native plants. Which now is that makes that makes more sense because when you first said 25%, I thought all that legislation for 25%, that doesn't seem very much. <laughs> but so they're staggering it. But right. If it's a new project, why are they staggering it? Why aren't they just saying you got to go in and put in 75%? Well, the implications for the nurseries to provide native plants is quite staggering. The shift would be big for a lot of our industry partners in the nursery world. So why chain issue? Yeah. So either way, they all have to be low water use, right? And that already is quite common in current landscaping, just with where we are in our current drought and current water restrictions. Drought tolerant is really important, but 
the 25% native plants would be, would be pretty remarkable. Just as a side note to kind of define what a California native plant is, it's a plant that are indigenous to and occur naturally in the state of California. They have co-evolved with native fauna and they're not hybridized with other non-native plants. So it really is what was here, kind of what we say pre-colonialism. Now, when you talk about native plants, does that also include trees or is it just shrubs? In this specific bill, it does not call out trees. Okay. However, I think a tree in this way would umbrella under plants in general. Okay. Uh, another provision that this bill would require is prohibiting the inclusion of non-functional turf in non-residential landscape projects after January 1st, 2026. So what is non-functional turf? Non-functional turf is any turf that is not recreational, that does not support tree life, and that is not watered by recycled water. And so we already have a ban in California for non-functional turf. You can't water non-functional turf. However, this would take it a step further in saying you cannot even install any turf that is considered non-functional. So that's pretty big as well. And then there's another provision that prohibits the use of overhead sprinklers on all new and rehabilitated landscapes. And that really means kind of the traditional overhead sprinkler where it sprays out into the air and then, you know, 20% right, 20% of it lands on the actual turf. There are a lot of different options for water efficient nozzles and sprinklers. So, and again, California is already so good on so many of these things, but this provision really just calls that out in particular. I cannot tell you how many properties I've gone to that they have a water sprinkler system going and there's one little lonely stick in there that's not, you know, it's just been cut back and ravaged in their watering dirt, basically. They really do need to have something that's kind of bringing everybody back up to a more current requirement because there's a lot of waste for sure. There is a lot of waste and there's a lot of provisions in this bill that talk about certain water requirements that you can put down in your landscape, like how much water you can actually be using, making sure that there's, you know, regular audits, that sort of thing. So there's a lot in here. I wanted to pull out kind of the most important items. Now, I thought we did the beginning, you mentioned, is this just related to commercial applications or do, how do HOAs get in? I mean, how does this go over? Are they HOAs considered commercial in this environment? So at this time, what it's reflecting is just commercial and industrial areas and HOAs are not affected by this okay. bill. However, while this is targeted at commercial and industrial areas right now, this bill is kind of signifying, among many other things that California has put into place over the last few years, where we are heading mm. uh, in our landscaping. And drought conditions dramatic shifts in weather. These are really here to stay. And while we had a really wet winter this winter and a lot of cities and water districts eliminated their water restrictions this summer, that is for this summer, right? And we can't, we can't count on that for the coming seasons. And so I think this is an important bill in that it highlights where we're moving and how HOAs should be thinking about what they're installing, why they're installing, where they're investing their money and how best they can protect their asset now for 5, 10, 15 years from now. How much is city and county going to have a say in this? Is it all mandated by state? Right now it's mandated by the state, um, as far as I can tell, and monitored by the Department of Water Resources. 
So uh, here's here's another quick question off the beaten path. What about fountains and other water type of add-ons in their properties? What did you call them? They're just features. water features. Water features. Thank you. I water features. Out. Right. I have not seen anything about that in this particular bill. I do know, though, that having some water features, some running water, is actually really important for native fauna. Um, in that birds like to have a place to take a little bird bath. There are insects that need to, you know, get water. Hummingbirds. All of that. So. There are some water features that actually are important for habitat value. Obviously, large flowing fountains in the middle. I'm not sure, you know, if that's necessarily as valuable. But, yeah. Is there any opposition out. to this bill or is it going, is it sailing through fairly? Oh, yes. There's Yes, there's there's two sides to every story, right? This is heavily backed by the California Native Plant Society, which is a, a really remarkable organization here in California that's based in Sacramento. And they're really backing this bill. There's opposition. There's a there's concern about the nurseries being able to supply enough native plants. Mm. They're worried about the expense of native plants. Typically, native plants are more expensive than non-native plants okay. because they just are not as requested, not as used. So they're producing less. So they're just more expensive. There's always two sides. <laughs> so you've worked in the nursery industry. How long do you think it'll take the nursery industry to pivot, you know, so this get, you get put in place to, you know, provide more native plants? I worked in a nursery in the middle of Los Angeles. I didn't work in the production side. However, my experience then five or so years ago was that it was more challenging to find native plants on a larger scale. However, there are so many nurseries that are producing native plants. I really think it's about the demand, right? If they're demanding it, they can produce it. And it varies really. My experience in Los Angeles is that native plants were much more common and people are really interested in using them on a larger scale and they're just more readily available. I, moving to Sacramento, it's a little bit more challenging to find them. What do they consider a large project? How are they going to define that? Right. There's not something that specifies about the size. It's really just about new and rehabilitated commercial and industrial hmm. installs. I don't know about the size in particular. Particularly in the rehabilitation and stuff, who's going to regulate that? So I go out and I decide I'm going to re renovate my landscaping around my office building. Is the building department going to become involved or water district? Or... Right. Well, Department of Water Resources, right? Again, there's not so much information and in exactly how this is going to be enforced. Mm -hmm. Very similar to when the non-functional turf ban was put into place last June. We were advising our clients on, hey, this, this area in your community is considered non-functional turf, right? We don't know who's going to enforce it. We don't know when it will be enforced. We don't know if it will be enforced. Your HOA behind the gate is probably not the area that these enforcers are going to, you know, first mm -hmm. go for. However, we just want to keep you informed that this is considered non-functional turf and this is where we're at. So as far as I know, none of our clients were cited for water and non-functional turf last year. I really think they were hitting kind of really large campuses. That's a long-winded way to say I'm not quite sure. And based off of my experience thus far, it's, it's hard to say who really is monitoring and how that will be enforced. Is there any movement towards bringing in larger residential projects into this bill at all? Discussions? At this time, no, not that I have been made aware of. 
on the turf thing, back when we had Bella Vista on the show quite a while ago, they had brought up that some of the water districts were offering discounts to convert grass. I just got a notice in the mail like three days ago that they're still doing that, right? They're mm -hmm. still trying to get people to take grass out of the areas and kind of shed some light on what that is because it sounds like the grass thing is still a big deal. Yes, there are still rebates being offered by many different cities, counties, and water districts to remove turf and install plant materials. Some even just to take out turf and put mulch, not even plants, right? They're just trying to get turf out of the ground and, and really save water. We highly encourage our clients to take advantage of these rebates while they're still being offered, while there are still rebates to be had, yeah. right? At some point, this will become a requirement. And so again, kind of back to my comment about looking at, okay, well, how is this bill guiding us to look at what is going to come in the next two, five, 10, 15 years in effect HOAs? What do we have available to us right now? And how can we use that to ensure our longevity for, you know, years to come? I think they said they would pay up to like $3,000 if you removed a certain amount of square footage. And then they had a table inside based on zones so certain zones, they're more actively trying to pursue than others. Is that more urban or is it more large campus? Because I'm kind of in a rural area. So I can't imagine that there is concerned about our area because we have more livestock in our area. Right, right. I think it really, for right now, where we're focusing on is just, is residential. And so that's not only, you know, common area space in HOAs, but also single family homes and front yards. In addition to that, there's also a lot of rebates for converting your irrigation systems. Mm. So if you have spray heads on planters and planter beds, converting that to drip will get you some rebate money in addition to converting to a smart irrigation controller that has weather sensors and waters according to your local weather patterns, that also will get you rebates. So it's not just turf removal, it's also more irrigation conversions. Right. So you have to have an appointment for them to come out and assess everything, right? And then uh -huh. they can make recommendations on how much you would be able to be rebated. Exactly. Yes. And I've done a lot of turf conversion rebates for the city of Sacramento. During COVID, they stopped having people come out and you had to meet with a representative from the city. With the last rebate project that we did, it was all over email. So I sent in videos, I sent in photos, you know, all of it. We took a bunch of measurements, all of this stuff. And I actually never had to meet with a representative from the city. So in that way, it, it just makes it a little bit more viable, right? You're not waiting to set an appointment for someone to come out and, you know, that process can take longer. From what I know, they haven't changed that practice. People are we're still doing it via email, which does make it a little bit more convenient. So you're making recommendations that they start looking at this kind of transition to your HOAs. Bill, are you seeing any of the construction projects when they're asking us to cut back shrubs and everything. Are you seeing them doing a conversion at that point? Well, we certainly, after we do large reconstruction projects, you know, the final, final, especially now that the, you know, the water restrictions have been lifted, that a lot of the associations are coming in and doing landscape renovations behind us. And I have noticed, you know, turf areas being reduced or eliminated and things like that as we go through and close out buildings. So it's definitely happening. I haven't particularly noticed 
the shrub selection changing and I might take a little closer look at it from now on. So I, I yeah. like those succulents. <laughs> <laughs> like one of the questions I have on native plants, are there besides the water usage, are there other benefits to having them? Are they more disease resistant, pest resistant? Um, since they are California natives and they've been here so long compared to some of the shrubs that we just go and you know typically install. Yes. So I'm just going to preface all of this to say that I am a huge proponent of California native plants. It is one of my main passions. There's so many benefits to using California native plants. You mentioned low water use. So why do they require less water? Well, California is one of five areas globally that has a Mediterranean climate. And a Mediterranean climate is characterized by long, hot summers and short, wet winters. And so plants are accustomed to going long periods of time without water. And so for that, they are more adaptable to drought and changing climate. In addition to low water use, they do have lower maintenance needs. Just by their nature, they grow a little bit more slowly. They are not these kind of fast growing, thirsty, non-native plant material that constantly need to be shaped and hedged and trimmed and all of that. It's also native plants are not <laughs> grass. This is so obvious, but they don't need to be mowed. They don't need to be edged. We're not sure. having, you know, the trimmings picked up and cleaned up and thrown away and that sort of thing. Native plants have co-evolved with native soils. Our California soils are typically less nutrient rich than others. And it's not, that's not true for the entire state of California, but in a lot of areas it is. Areas, yeah. uh, right. And so they just require less fertilizer, less input. Huh. Um, so then there's, there's probably, even if they're more expensive initially to install on a go forward basis, it sounds to me like they're a lot more economical to have as a, as a shrub or a landscape to maintain and just the cost benefit analysis. Right, exactly. Yeah. And, and when you really, you know, we always say this right plant, right place, right. Sure. That's a saying. So that always is important to consider too. If you're going, no matter if you're planting a non-native or a California native plant, if you're planting it, if it's a full sun plant and that you plant it in shade, that's not going to be good for the plant, right? And sure. you're kind of wasting money in that way. Going back to lower maintenance needs, native plants have natural defenses against pests and diseases. They've mm -hmm. co-evolved with these pests and diseases in this state. And so they require, again, less pesticide use, less input, that sort of thing. What about fire? Does native plants have a natural resistivity to fire? We had the NFPA on last week talking about, you know, how to prep for fire season. Do they offer a little bit of relief from the hot burning fires we typically see? Some shrubs, sure, but there are a lot of highly flammable California native plants. So that still is something to consider. I'm thinking this is more of a Southern California plant, but it's called chemise. And it is, it is just tinder, right? It is just ready. The oils in it, just like a eucalyptus plant, right, are um, super highly flammable. So that is something to consider. Not more fire resistant, I would say, outright. I would still follow all the regulations around preparing your home for fire. Yeah, it's probably more along the line of making sure if you're going to do a, a redo of your plant life around your property or your HOA, having the rock fire breaks and stuff like that, that would just be normal. Absolutely. But then having your native plants set away from the buildings. Okay. Absolutely. Another benefit to na using native shrubs, and this is something that near and dear to my heart, 
they provide food and habitat for native insects, birds, pollinators. So much of our land has been developed. And so when we're looking at kind of the areas that we do still have for landscaping, making sure to use that space in a way that provides food and habitat for our wildlife is important. There's some pretty staggering statistics. 34% of plants and 40% of animal species in the U.S. are at risk of extinction. And in addition to that, 90% of native insects, so native California insects, but also native to wherever they're from, can only feed on native plants. That's actually coming from Doug Tallamy, Bringing Nature Home. It was a pretty remarkable book that has a lot of really kind of amazing information about why native plants are so important. Not just California native plants, but native to where you are from. And that statistic is pretty staggering. So when you're planting California native plants, you are contributing greatly to ecological safety and abundance. And I think that's something that's really important to consider. We often don't talk about that. We, we like butterflies and hummingbirds, but we don't really think about why they're there and how we get more of them. And California native plants is a great way to do that. In addition, and this is this is more of a feely, a feely will reason why to plant native plants, but it really does create a greater sense of home. A lot of us live in California because it's a beautiful state and there's a lot of rich geological and geographical plant communities and areas that we enjoy going to with the spaces that we do have to plant. Although limited, it is important and, and kind of an honor to the state to plant California native plants back in their place um, to what we had before we had concrete and asphalt and freeways, which I am grateful for because it means I can live here. But <laughs> yeah. Do you think then that turf areas are gonna become a thing of the past? Is this just the direction we're heading is no more lawns? I, yes, I believe so. Non-functional turf watering is already banned in the state of California. The idea of having these long swaths of turf that enter into a property that don't get used or walked on and are just watered and maintained for no real benefit other than aesthetics, I think is a thing of the past. I think it really is about looking at areas where turf makes sense, where turf is meant for recreation, where turf is meant to bring people together. I love laying in a park in the shade in the summer, right? I don't want those areas to go away, but it's about being strategic. Well, maybe they'll, you know, allow AstroTurf or something to be used for those areas that people really want that green look. Yeah, I think artificial turf is a really great option in some areas. I think it fits. It's typically a larger upfront investment than plant material and it often retains heat more dramatically. There are other wonderful green ground covers that resemble turf that can be walked on that require less water and less maintenance. And nurseries have plenty of those options as well right now. I also think it's beyond replacing turf with fake turf or beyond trying to replicate grass with something that looks very similar. You know, we talk a lot at Bella Vista Landscape about changing and adjusting expectations for what a landscape should look like. And so it's in that it's really about education and long-term planning and partnering with your HOA community and landscape provider to really make choices that ensure the longevity of people's largest asset while also being aesthetically pleasing. And we have to kind of shift bit by bit how we're looking at what landscapes can be. There's a phrase in the California native plant world that brown is a color and that, you know, it's not all about green, 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 brown's a color, orange is a color, you know, dark brown's a color, those sorts of things. So it's, 
I really love that statement because it, I think it just encompasses that need to kind of shift our perspective a little bit. And that's really hard to do. And I understand, but it's bit by bit and it's, you know, conversation by conversation, like exactly what we're having right now. Do you think it's generational? Do you think that the baby boomers want their lawns, but they I was just thinking that <laughs> the ex geners will take their their landscape or the brown color? <laughs> oh my goodness! I um, I think I, the I do. are going back to it for sure. Mm, I think that it's really about what resources we had when there was more water, or ostensibly more water. We weren't as concerned with where we were in our reserves. I think now with the technology we have, with the reality that we're facing every single day, you just go out to, you know, Lake Oroville and you're like, wow, there's really no water in it. Now there is, thank God. But you know, last summer was a completely different story. So it's like terrible. Yeah. Right. So we can't, it's just so plain in front of us. And so we just have limited resources. And so with that, we have to adjust what we can do. And I really, I just, I think it's that simple. A boards are are open to like reducing their turf areas, switching, or are they, you're getting resistance from them? It's so incredible. So I have been with Bella Vista Landscape Services for two years and four months. This was my first forte into commercial landscape management, HOA um, landscape management. From when I began to some odd years ago to now, the openness for turf conversions is, I mean, even the last two years has, it's, it's exponential. No, that's good. Okay. It, right. And people, you know, we really want to be proactive and, and give options to our clients, right? Some, some things that they might not even thinking about now at this point in time, it's, Hey, so we want to get rid of this turf and you're like, okay, yeah, totally. Right. So the openness to it, I think people as more commercial buildings, as newer builds, right. We have a, so a few apartments where it's, there's absolutely no turf. It's brand new and there's absolutely no turf anywhere. Right. And people are just seeing that more and becoming a lot more open to it. And I think the rebates really help. I think the idea that they're going to be saving water and money on water in the long term is really beneficial for them. I've seen it. I've seen it shift. Quite dramatically. The name of the podcast is HOA. It's a true story. Anna, do you have a story you want to share today? It's not a very particular story, but it's a general story. And this has happened many times. I'm so grateful to be working in an industry and with people who really care about their landscapes. And that can also bring people to not blows, but almost blows um, <laughs> at certain landscape blocks and certain uh, with certain board members and landscape committee members. I've had many experiences where people are very angry and yelling and talking over each other and, and kind of walk off. And at the same time, I've seen those same people come together on the same issues that brought them apart. And so that's pretty amazing. I really enjoy working in a place where people really care. And that goes both ways. <laughs> well, if somebody wants more information about the legislation bill, and can you say that bill one more time? It was AB? AB1573. Or they want to get in touch with you about how they can maybe develop a plan for their HOA. What's the best way to reach you? Do you have a website they can contact you through? Yes. If you go to Bella Vista Landscape Services and to Google, you can find us there. We're also on LinkedIn and you can find us there as well. We also have an Instagram page. Perfect. And if for some reason they still can't find you, they can always reach out to us at inquiry at gbgroupinc.com and we will pass that along to Anna Marie. So thank you so much for joining us today. We certainly appreciate the time and the good information. 
And we're glad to have Bella Vista back. So hopefully one more time. Thanks again. Yeah, thank you so much. It's so great.